Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Seth would have definitely grown up to be on the Herald team. Absolutely. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Ship, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Megan Fitzgerald, and welcome to a brand new season. If you are just joining us for this particular season and this particular couple, welcome. On this show, we talk about these people that, you know, we know are not real, but we talk about them as if they were real and how we feel about them and how they intersect with our non-fictional lives. So if you're just tuning in, welcome. And if you're continuing along, Welcome back. And either way, whether you're a new listener or an old one, I have a brand new season, a brand new show, and most importantly, a brand new co-host to introduce you to. So please welcome for this very special season, Kat Belafonte. Hi, Kat. Hi, hi. (laughs) So excited to be doing this season with you. Oh, same. Especially, I mean, I feel like people will pick up on this pretty quickly, but you are someone who uh, I talk very openly about my non fictional dating life with. And same. (laughs) So there'll be a lot of, I feel like, unpacking and relating to our non-fictional lives very easily. But because, you know, the audience doesn't know you as well, let's get to know you. So tell us a little bit about your dating history, your current dating life, if you're single, and if so, why? Yeah. Oh, great question. (laughs) I asked uh, an astrologist, a tarot reader. Yes. I've asked so many people. Check the references. (laughs) This question. Uh, I would say my dating history is a lot of crushes, Mm. so that's going to be very relevant to this. Yes. That (laughs) never pan out, which is... Well, this show gave me false hope. Uh, Guys that I think I'm done with who will just keep popping back up for months and years, which is also relatable to this. (laughs) One mostly healthy relationship five years ago. And, you know, I'd like to say now that I've been in therapy long enough that it's because I'm picky and I have standards. But if you look at the guys I go for, that's probably not true. Unfortunately. I think it might be. I think my um, thesis going into this is that it might be that this show ruined you. I, I totally. I had done a lot of self reflecting watching the show. It's it's really brought me into depression and then out of it. So this season, new season, new show. We are covering the OC. I actually have not watched this show. This is the first show that we've covered on the podcast that will be a fresh watch for me. You actually pitched this show to me. So tell us about your relationship to the OC and and why you love it. I did. Yeah, I saw you were doing the show and I was like, I must talk about Seth and Summer. The OC was the first show that I was obsessed with. It came out when I was in fifth, I think fifth, maybe sixth grade. Like right at that age where you're starting to have real crushes mm-hmm. and fantasies or like I, I was having some some fantasies at this point. And the show had all of the drama and excitement mm-hmm. that I craved in my like happy little suburban bubble. Right. I just I got it all out here. And OK, here is also my defense of the show. Rewatching <laughs> it, which I've done many times. It's still funny. Oh, it is. It's really funny. Do it you is- laugh out loud? Oh, I laughed out loud often. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think it gets this reputation of a guilty pleasure soapy drama, yes. but it is in, it is a soapy drama, but it is a great show, especially the first season is arguably like a perfect television drama. I agree. Yeah. I also think they know they're a perfect television drama because yep. I've never seen a show reference itself so much. It's <laughs> so meta. <laughs> so the Valley. Oh my God. Yeah. And then when they do the little spinoff of the real Valley, which is like Laguna Beach, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> 
so funny. I did not watch this show when it was out. And I don't necessarily know why. I always knew about it. I feel like I also knew basically what happened. Like I knew the ending. And we should say right now, this show has been out for over 15 years. <laughs> if you have not watched it at this point. Pause it and go watch and all go 93 watch episodes. Because we are, <laughs> how many is it? I'm pretty sure there's like 93. Great, 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 great. Yes. <laughs> it's just two seasons of Love Island. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we all know how to binge these days. So yeah. get into it. But we will absolutely be spoiling it. But I watched like One Tree Hill and Gilmore Girls. So I was watching a lot of things in the same vein. But I think... I grew up in California. For those who don't know, I did not grow up in the OC, but I knew the OC and I knew people from it. So I don't know. Part of me was like, well, I live in California. So maybe I didn't, maybe it didn't have the same like escapism, but I think it'll be interesting because my relationship to the show is not nostalgic. It is very fresh. So I don't have any sentimentality Mm -hmm. attached to it. So I think I'm going to be a little more critical. Not that I'm going to tear it apart because I I do have a heart and I'm a sucker for a self-referential drama. And I'm going to be here defending it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So the show is the OC and there are two main couples in the OC and everyone always, every time I bring up the OC, they're like, which couple are you doing? We are doing Seth and Summer and I think it makes sense for us to do Seth and Summer because I think we are much more closer to a uh, someone who would end up with a Seth versus someone who would end up with a Ryan. Have you ever dated a Ryan? No. And do you know what? Maybe that's my issue. Maybe I'm just not <laughs> dating enough Ryans. Have you? No, there was a point in my in my life where I was like, oh, maybe I'm into kind of a brooder. Mm-hmm. And I do still kind of like the brooding. But Seth thinks he's a brooder. Exactly. And that's more my type. Is like yeah. They're like thinking deeply, but there's not much to think about. Exactly. Whereas Ryan actually has things to think about. But this will be, I think, an interesting show to talk about because it's different from the first few couples we've talked about in a lot of ways. First of all, this is the first high school couple we've talked about. So it puts them in a very specific lane. However, because it is the like kind of soapy drama it is, I would actually only say that about 30% of what happens on this show is mm, they're in high school. So we'll give them that excuse or like that only applies because they're in high school. But most of it, I'm like, these are adult themes. These are not kids acting like they're in high school. They're at least very translatable to adult themes. And in some way, I think both the soapy nature of it and the high school nature of it will in some ways make the relationship lessons clearer because they will be a bit more on the nose as um, a Fox drama likes to do. (laughs) Sometimes as adults, we're like, oh, it's nuanced, it's complicated. Sometimes I think these things we think are so complicated can really be distilled down to a very simple high school love triangle. That's so true. I'm excited for us to be able to frame things in that way. I think this is going to be really healing for me personally. (laughs) Oh, everyone watch Cat Unravel and then build herself back together again. You're not the only one. The theory I'm developing is that characters like Seth built a whole generation of like early 90s babies that expected too much of men. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So I usually do this part, but because, you know, you pitched them to me and I am very grateful and so excited to talk about them because as I said, there are so many Seth and Summers out there in the non-fictional world, even in the non-high school world. But I'd love your take on, you know, why them? Why did you pick them over Brian Marissa? And why have they stuck with you over the years as a quintessential ship? Yeah, I feel like Seth is this iconic character that we hadn't really seen on TV before because he is very he is very problematic. 
but he's the first character that I saw that was like goofy and silly, but also like deep in his thoughts and mm-hmm. a little like emotional in his feelings. And then he also gets the girl. And then they're like, will they, won't they? I think this also set me up for complete disaster. Yeah. The coming together, going apart. But it was also very exciting. I yeah. also tend to go for relationship. There's a bit of a drama element. The stakes are high. The stakes feel high. Yeah. Even if they aren't, they feel high. Right. And even <laughs> if it's, I mean, even if it's just like amongst a friend's group, those are high stakes. In yeah, any that's social so situation, true. You know? Yeah. Where like, if it doesn't work out, then it's going to be embarrassing. Right. That tends to happen for me. Also, I love that Seth is as half Jewish like me. I just like hadn't seen that before. And I genuinely thought my sister invented Chrismica. So when they had Chrismica on the OC, I was like, how did they know? Did did my sister call them? (laughs) The other thing that that set me up for a disaster was the fantasy that the OC creates of best friends dating best friends. Yes. (laughs) That's all I've ever wanted. Anytime someone has a boyfriend. I'm like, do they have friends? Right. Yeah. If there's a best friend pair out there. Listening to this. Hit us up. Let us know. Take (laughs) us to the beach and like pretend to throw us in the water. I've tried to make this happen so many times. Uh, (laughs) My actual, my ex, my real ex. I call Mm -hmm. a lot of people my ex who I went on like two dates with. I mean, yeah, we all have. We have to because how else do you refer to them? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, We're not friends as much as they might think. Yeah. Uh, We met in an improv class, of course. Of course. Of course. Which, like, Seth would have definitely grown up to be on a Herald team. Absolutely. (laughs) We met in an improv class, and then I made his weirdo friend go on a date with my best friend at the time. Okay. And we did, (laughs) like, a couple, like, maybe two double dates. But at the time, too, I was like, oh, classic. Me and Justin are... We can keep Justin's name. That's fine. (laughs) Okay, great. He's not listening. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, me and Justin are like the funny comedy couple. Uh We're the Seth and Summer. Yeah. Where it took us a minute to get together. But once we did, we were fine. Yeah. And then (laughs) Chelsea and Harry were Ryan and Marissa, where they were both very troubled. Mm -hmm. They were like, the drama. Right. Not the fun drama. Like, to me, Seth and Summer is, they like, a fun, fun drama. I mean, their drama's literally set around a comic book. So I think <laughs> it's fair to say that it's, like, fairly saturated. Yeah, literally. yeah. It's not, like, heavy drama. No. Well, that's... And that's the thing. And that's why I, like, say the difference between Seth and Ryan. Even in stakes. Ryan and Marissa's stakes are, like... Again, spoiler. I hope you listen. Hide and seek. Hope you watch. (laughs) Hide and seek, everybody. It's coming. Their stakes are like, can I be with someone who shot my brother? Right. Right. (laughs) Versus Seth and Summer are like, I don't know. I kind of like somebody else, but I want you. You Can I be with someone who licked whipped cream off someone else (laughs) at MTV's Beach House? Right. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So that brings us stakes. I mean, High school relationships in general, they on the OC, obviously, every all the drama is the end of the world. And it's the OC, so it kind of sometimes is life or death stakes. But I think high school generally feels like that when we're in it. But as adults, you know, we're more evolved. But I do feel like there is something to learn from high school relationships in a fictional way and in a non-fictional way. So what do we think high school relationships taught us or set us up for when we were in high school? I feel like the relationships in high school set up this sort of pattern for how you're going to continue to date, especially into mm-hmm. adulthood, that you'll you'll continue or you'll have to break. But it, it does kind of set the pattern for how things move. And I feel like high school relationships are so intense because it's the first time that you're feeling all of these strong emotions. That's true. And you don't know that it's like, 
oh, these feelings are going like, to come again later. And this isn't the most intense because it's your first time. Right. Like it's- the first time you take Molly, nothing compares. <laughs> nothing compares to that. You're always, we're always chasing the high of that first time taking Molly and going to house. Don't yes. do drugs. <laughs> or do. Actually, Molly's pretty fun. I think especially, you know, people who are about our age, who were born early 90s, by the time we were teenagers, there had been a lot of teenage dramas. There had been that's true. this show in One Tree Hill and Dawson's Creek and Gilmore Girls and all of these shows that set us up for epic teen romance. And that's so true. I feel like the stakes also fell high. Like I fully thought that I would marry my high school boyfriend in so many ways defined me in a way that is so now laughable because now our relationship is I stock his Instagram a couple times a year and he's a homeowner with a with a wife yep a married homeowner a homeowner with two pets you know it's wild but I agree <laughs> I think it really does set a precedent for what your relationships become and I think especially how you feel you deserve to be treated because yep. I think and I think it goes both ways if you have boyfriends in high school that completely adore you and worship the ground you walk on which those guys exist in high school I think it's going to take a second for you to learn how to deal with fuckboys. That's how I felt. Yeah, I also think on this point, I have this theory that people who are in good or long relationships in high school continue to be in relationships. Mm-hmm. They tend to be more the relationship type of people. Yes. Because they knew that from an early age. Right. And there's not that like lack of confidence. Like I never had a boyfriend in high school. So I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to have a boyfriend. Right. You know, I never had the experience of just like making out with a bunch of guys that other people had in high school because I was so used to the comfort of a boyfriend. And well, but I regret not because I think in the opposite way, if you do date skeezy, horny 16 year old guys, which those also totally exist. Mm -hmm. I think you have your guard up as an adult or, you know, someone in your early 20s, which isn't an adult. No, boys, not an adult, (laughs) not an adult yet. (laughs) When you meet someone who genuinely wants you and cares about you, you're like, I don't I don't know what this is. I don't trust this. That's also true. So I feel like that led kind of nicely. How do we feel like because I actually don't know if we have any high school listeners. And if we do, (laughs) I am really sorry. (laughs) Then don't do Molly yet. Don't save it for college. You have to be an adult. You have to be legal 18 to do Molly. How can we translate these issues that come up with Seth and Summer into adult situations? What can we learn from high school relationships, fictional, non-fictional, now that we're adults? So crushes really develop in high school, but I don't think they go away. They have not gone away for me. Mm -hmm. I'm still... I mean, we were just, I'm still crushing. Yep. I'm still pining uh-huh. in, and sometimes in a dramatic way that almost <laughs> feels like high school. Uh, <laughs> almost feels like you're going to name a boat after somebody. <laughs> yeah. Anything I'll take as a sign. Yeah. Uh, that's my go-to. <laughs> we both like burritos. It must be a sign. No, I literally, I also wrote that down. I love that you named the episode that because yeah. I was like, this is something I would do. Yes. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> we all do. And so rewatching it this time has made me think about also, which we'll, we'll get into later, but how much in relationships as adults, we need open communication. Uh Because that's the big flaw over and over and over again with Seth and Summer, especially from Seth. Yeah. Well, in a really obvious way too, not even in like a subtle, you know, normal people way where you see them just like, No one can see my face. I'm trying to be Irish and sad. (laughs) She just pulled out a potato. Yeah. Seth goes out of his way to not communicate. Seth is actively like, I'm not going to tell her this. I think in watching this, I'm hoping to make the case that Seth is going to mature out of his lack of open communication, especially like you see Sandy, Sandy, who is the true gem. (sighs) 
seeing that and seeing that he's giving these lessons to Seth, I'm like, maybe Seth will mature out of this. Right. But being an adult and being with adult Seth Cohen's, they don't always. Yes. <laughs> I do think potentially that this is why they like to date so much younger. Hmm. <laughs> because <laughs> they don't want to have direct open communication. And when you're 22, 23, you're okay with that. Yeah, you're, you've come to expect it. I think a lot of the time, again, going back to what you were taught to expect in high school. Exactly. Translating this from a high school relationship, we absolutely, as adults, still pine. And maybe we're not pining after, like, the quote-unquote popular girl, but we all tend to, as adults, still pine after a person who is unattainable in some way. Like, whether they're in a relationship and you can't be with them. You work with them and you can't be with them. They're a friend that doesn't or see both. you. Or both. <laughs> or both. <laughs> that all still exists. Yeah. I also think that the more adult themes of Seth and Summer is this idea that there's a person that makes more logical sense for you to be with potentially on paper. And, you know, for them, it looks like Anna and Zach. But there's something about this person that doesn't make logical sense for you that keeps drawing you back in. I think we see that manifest all the time in adult relationships with ourselves, with our friends. Like we've all seen someone go back to someone who was on paper wrong for them or in your opinion, bad for them time and time again. This is this is the metaphor I like to use about the type of this is what I've been thinking about the type of guys I go for where they'll hold my hand and lead me up to the line, mm-hmm. whatever line this is, yeah. the maybe the relationship line or just like if we cross this line, then we're crossing the line. Right. They'll lead me up to the line, and then I'm like, all right, I guess we should cross it. And then I look back, and they're like ten feet behind me, and they're like, what are you doing? That's how I would describe they, every. Like, they dropped you off there and then like sprinted back 200 meters. They're like, I don't know how you got there. That's so weird. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Who got you? To, how'd you get into that line, cat? They're like yelling. <laughs> like you crazy bitch. Those are the ways in which we have related to the Seth and Summer content, but we want to make sure that you all can relate to it as well. So in order to really spell it out for you, how you might be in a Seth and Summer situation, we're going to go into our segment, Relatable Content. So this is Relatable Content, and we're going to list some if statements. And if you find yourself thinking, oh my God, that's me. This is so relatable. Then you might be in early Seth Summer situation. We're talking about the early days in this episode, as it is the first episode. All right. Do you want to take it away? Yeah. You might be in an early Seth and Summer situation if your crush doesn't know who you are. You might be in an early Seth and Summer situation if you identify as a quote unquote outcast. That's a very high school thing. But if you're an adult, that might just look like you're one of those people that feels like you have trouble connecting with people. You might be in an early Seth and Summer situation if you are in completely different social circles. Mm -hmm. You might be in a Seth and Summer situation if you've always dated the same kind of person, but it's never really worked out for you. Yeah. Summer mentions having dated before, but I the extras on the OC. If you did one of those side by side, like point out five differences in like these two water polo extras, I think it would be an impossible game. Yep. Yep. You might be in an early Seth and Summer situation if you're pining after someone you think is out of your league, but that you'll ultimately end up with. Mm-hmm. You don't pine unless you think there's still like some small possibility. Oh, 100%. That's why there's some people I can't let go of because I'm like, well, you said this today. So that means. Yep. Yep. Don't have to move on yet. I uh, do it on purpose. 
They know. They always know. They always they always know. know. You might be in a Seth and Summer situation if you find yourself attracted to someone that would more normally make you think, ew. That was a good summer. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you might be in an early Seth and Summer situation if you named an inanimate object like a boat after your crush. Something super casual like a boat. <laughs> or like I used to play The Sims and I would make them all just like my friends and the boys I had crushes oh. on. Of course, that is a universal truth that we're not talking about, quite frankly. And we should. And so we should be. Write us in. You might be in a Seth and Summer situation if in one moment you want to kill this person and then the next moment you want to kiss them. Yeah. Yeah. It's volatile, but it's sexy. Yeah. I wish we hated this, but we, yeah. we love it. Mm-hmm. You might be in an early Seth and Summer situation if, like Seth says, quote, despite all my best efforts, I cannot not like her. Mm-hmm. And to wrap it up, you might be in a Seth and Summer situation if, to quote Summer, I like Seth Cohen. It's like you just stepped in dog shit. Oh, let me try it. Let me try that read. I like Seth Cohen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it. So I think those last two quotes say it nicely, kind of to frame the rest of today's conversation. This is a story about two people who should not belong together, but cannot stop themselves from coming back together time and time again. So this episode is all about setting up who these two people are, two people who should hypothetically not work. So let's start with Seth. We're setting him up. He is the pioneer, the one who is pining. Season one, top of the series. What do we think of him? Do we see the appeal? And let's start with the good parts, the like self-defacing, charming nerd part of him. Yeah, I mean, I I saw the appeal right away, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) He's funny. And yeah, yeah, he's so charming. And like, that's the thing, like as women, number one, Adam Brody, the actor is hot. Yes. You cannot deny that. And he's incredibly charismatic. Incredibly charismatic. Mm -hmm. But even if he was like dorky or dweeby, if a guy has a little bit of confidence and a little bit of charm and a little bit of humor, that's all we need. Yeah. Yes. He has all of those things. So you totally see it. I think that when guys are quote unquote damaged, and I'm, I'm, I really mean that quote unquote, because Seth Cohen is really not besides that he just considers himself an outcast, like that's his damage. But I think this type of person, a Seth Cohen type, eventually realizes he's funnier than other guys and that girls need that. They need somebody with a sense of humor. And when that happens, they are at their most dangerous because they come into this power it's them walking off the ucb stage and into that cheap bar and they don't know what to do with all of this power and all of these women that are all of a sudden attracted to them that's what we see seth deal with i have fallen for that type of guy so many times because he like does kind of come off as like a kicked puppy who doesn't know how great he is and if you're a certain type of person like i unfortunately am You're attracted to them because you think they will need you and you think you're going to avoid the problems that come with dating like a hot, confident guy versus like a dweeby kind of confident guy. But as Summer and I have both learned, that is not always the case. (laughs) They do come with their own set of problems. Yeah, we'll get into that really heavily in the next episode. Yes. Yes. They don't know boundaries, I also think is the problem. So (laughs) boundaries, let's talk about the pining. I think part of the reason Seth is so likable, as we've spoken to a little bit already, is because pining is so relatable. Yeah, my go-to pine is I'll meet a guy one time, 
mm-hmm. have an okay conversation with him, I'll walk away. And then it's like the construction crew comes in. <laughs> it's building our future together. <laughs> yep. I don't know if this, I just like have an active imagination and this is why I'm a creative person or if this is something I'll eventually grow out of. I don't think you will. I think it is part of being an actor. That's what I like to think that is like, well, I'm an actor. My um, my imagination has to always be at work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are future planners. We are uh, future oriented. I'm an Enneagram three. I feel like I am always pining. I'm a constant state of pining. Pine saw. And I think it's this damaging combination of what we just spoke about, be having an active imagination and watching too much TV romance. Yeah. So... When Seth names his boat after Summer and, you know, remembers that she wrote a poem about a mermaid, I'm like, "Mm, that's problematic. Don't say that. That's creepy. But I'm also like, I also am someone who remembers the one time my crush brought up his childhood best friend. And yes, I have been all the way back in the Facebook albums to find him. So, you know, maybe I can't come down on Seth so hard. But I mean, we do it. But we also we think we see it so clearly here when we watch it, especially because like I knew nothing about this relationship, essentially going into it. When you're first watching the way he pines after summer, you're like, this could not possibly go well. So in some ways, pining is a very problematic way to start a relationship. Yeah, because the chances in real life that Summer would live up to his expectations is maybe something that could only work for a guy because a guy's expectations, I think, about personality are a little bit lower. But for women and and guys too, Mm -hmm. but especially I think for women, there's no way that's actually going to work out. There's this one comic that I... I met once, Mm -hmm. had an okay conversation with. We Facebook messengered until the wee hours of the night (laughs) for two weeks. I'm for sure still in love with him. I'm also for sure positive that if we went to one dinner, I'd be like, this guy's a dick. Yeah. I don't like this guy at all. Absolutely. There are so many parts of the Seth and Summer relationship that I like will point out to people is like, this can't actually happen. Like, don't do this in real life. But pining, I do feel, is one of them. It is so rare for pining to turn into a healthy relationship as much as we both admit that we want it to. Because not only will they not be who you want them to be, as you said, you will work overtime to convince yourself that they are. Even when you are in the relationship, you will do mental gymnastics to convince yourself that this person is as good as you want them to be. And you'll never like come to the relationship on equal footing. They will always have the upper hand unless you're the miracle couple and they have also been pining. But I don't want to tell people that that happens because it's so rare. That's yeah, that's the exception to the rule. Never mind. Never mind. No one else is. No one out there is pining for you. <laughs> Stop believing that they are. Although my ex and I both simultaneously had a crush on each other in our improv class. Mine, my ex and I had crushes on each other See? too. So I guess, but that's the thing. It's like if you, if it's meant to work out, then it will. You're right. Then it, then it will work out. I think. I, I my friend has said this to me once. It's like it takes two people to create tension. And so That's I think, point. Mm-hmm. and so if I think you're, if you're pining after somebody and you feel some sort of tension, there's a difference between Seth pining in the very, very beginning where Summer truly doesn't know who he is. And then Seth pining as we're about to get into when they start to know each other, get to know each other a little bit more, you know, you can tell that difference. Totally. But let's quickly translate Seth to a, an outside of high school person. What does a piner look 
look like in in our non-fictional adult lives. The Seth Cohens that are walking around in their mid to late 20s. Deep in Brooklyn. Deep in Brooklyn. <laughs> Uh, into their 30s are the they are first of all men who always pick up a call from their mom oh yeah yep um which are parts of that that are you know admirable but there are parts that make you think you never really learned how to make a hard decision on your own did you real life seth cohen they are the dudes that get overwhelmed at the simplest tasks that seek advice from everyone else they know and will never take the blame and they have at least one really specific opinion about the marvel franchise (laughs) So accurate. <laughs> this so clearly describes the ex who's not a real ex. Uh huh. Okay, <laughs> yeah, like I feel like most of the comics that I know mm-hmm. are are Seth Cohen types. Yes, the charming ones at least, because mm-hmm. comics aren't particularly good looking. No, you don't have to be. That's why you're a comic. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're just like a tiny bit good looking and have a tiny bit of charm, like Seth. Yeah, like we said, he probably grew up to be on a Herald team. <laughs> And or doing open mics and like small shows. He's like a Brooklyn comic. He's not a club comic. No. He's not commercial. He's an alt comic. He's in a band. Yes, <laughs> he absolutely. For sure plays guitar. You come over and he's like just like doing a little strum. He still wears Converse. Uh-huh. And skinny jeans. Probably works also like works day job at like a tech startup. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, does customer service for like a mattress firm or something like that. <laughs> like a, a direct-to-consumer mattress company. <laughs> so there they are. They're in your real life. And again, we're going to talk a lot about the Seth Cohens among us who walk among us next episode. <laughs> like a spotting a vampire. <laughs> but let's talk about Summer. At the top of this show, Elias, we'd call her the bitch. So who is she in terms of like, being a high school girl and arguably being a product of Newport, aka she's a huge fucking bitch at the beginning of the show. Yeah, she totally sucked for the first half of the first season. I yeah. forgot how much she's truly the worst. I have in my notes again and again, Summer sucks. Why does Seth name his boat after this bitch? <laughs> she comes across as shallow. She only cares about popularity and reputation. But then, yeah, you're right. This is modeled for her by the majority of the noobsies. And see, this is the other thing with the relationship is I feel like they bring out the best in each other a lot of times. Yeah. She does get funnier. She does get more sensitive. And she does allow her guard to come down and just, I feel like, fully be herself. And I get that. I mean, in high school, I also very much cared about being popular. And that was very much the vibe of I went to a small school. I went to high school in this city called Buckhead. And there were all these moms who were just like the Newport moms. We called them Buckhead Betty's. Oh, my God. They didn't work. They went to workout classes. And they had book clubs where they would not read a book. They would just gossip about all of the kids. Oh, they were also snack bar moms. Oh, they my were, God. Like at the high school. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were truly the – I mean, my bullies in high school were the moms. That's hilarious. Two moms named Karen. I kid you not. <gasps> where are they now? Are they internet famous? I'm sure. There's no (laughs) chance they're not. They're truly the devil. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So you see when like that's what you're modeled, how you could maybe suck when you're 16. She also just like even in terms of the way she treats Seth, she mentions pretty early on that she's never had a guy apologize to her before. And I think we can kind of glean from that that she's never had anybody take her seriously. Also, we should note that like, She was not included as a series regular in the credits until halfway through season one. So also just might be like legitimately underwritten as a character. So let's talk about kind of who she becomes and because she becomes this like strong, witty, very passionate person. I think 
high school and then even beyond can be so tough because there still is this emphasis on being popular. Mm-hmm. It's like that Brene Brown quote about fitting in versus belonging. And I feel like you see Summer try to fit in again and again. And that's mm-hmm. so relatable in high school and not in high school. Right. Versus when she is, when they're in their little foursome pod, she just feels like she belongs and yeah. can fully be herself. And she can be smart and caring and confident and funny, but none of these adjectives are like necessarily cool when you're in high school. So I feel like she covers it up a lot to fit in. I'm so glad you brought up that that idea of fitting in versus belonging because I think that's the journey we see her go on. Yeah. It's also funny. She's literally voted prom queen, but we never see her hang out with anybody else besides like the quad of people. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see any of them really. No. Yeah. It's like, oh, they have so many friends and where are where they? Where are they? You know, we're not arguing that like Summer turns into an intellectual, but she she's still someone who like loves the valley and loves shopping, but also cares deeply about her friends and comes up with the best way the of all of them the best ways to get them out of trouble and she's really informed about the things she cares to be informed about and I think like by far of the four of them can be the most passionate and exuberant and sometimes passionate looks like stubborn I just prefer the adjective passionate um in describing myself and other women including uh including summer I mean rage blackouts that comes from a passionate person absolutely she there I have this friend who is like so glamorous and maybe a little bit basic in a way but she knows that and she's also really deep and smart but she owns all those parts of herself yes she's great because she's not fake she knows that she likes me to take eight pictures of her I love her so much for that and that I feel like is a summer yeah and I feel like this transition really nicely into the summers we the summers that walk among us that summers outside of high school I think summers like the girl who like majored in communication and works in PR and marketing so you might assume that she's really basic but also she's gonna rattle off who covered uh, the latest press conference this week while the bro she's talking to who's really active on socialist Twitter like just listen to the daily and she's gonna outsmart him every single time so she's someone who's completely underestimated summer is third wave feminism that's so true she's dolly parton yes she's dolly parton. <laughs> summer's also the friend that's gonna go up to the guy at the bar who ghosted you and be like so what the fuck is up i wish yep. sometimes i was summer roberts yeah maybe my journey through this podcast is me moving away from seth and into summer into summer yes let's <laughs> hope everyone stay tuned yeah because i think she is the type of person that you hope you'll grow into because you mm-hmm. just see her grow into herself yes not all the characters do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Marissa falls off the fucking deep end. Yes. And then you see Summer just ground herself again and again mm-hmm. and learn from her mistakes. Yeah. Even when when Seth is like such a jackass, she calls him on a shit always. Yeah. And that I really appreciate. And that is why I think it also kind of works. And that takes so much strength that not everybody has in yep. high school. And that's why in some ways I really do feel like she is a role model. So we've set them up. These two very opposite people. But he de- we're going to now talk about getting the girl, which he eventually does. So how do these two very opposite people get together and why do we buy it? I feel like there are really kind of like two strategies. I think the first one is like, what is it, the opposite of negging? It's truly constantly complimenting them, overwhelming somebody with affection. I actually don't like this. I feel like I initially was like, everyone likes attention, but... Not in this way. Not in this way. It's a little pathetic. It's a little, it's absolutely (laughs) pathetic when he's like, is Summer there? Is Summer there? Tell her I say happy birthday. That's 
creepy. Let's just go into some moments to like kind of help us break it down. I think the what is it's a cotillion. It's a deb debutante. Yeah, yeah both. both. I think it's cotillion debutante. Great. So, but I feel like this moment is kind of where things start to really pick up for them because I feel like up until this point, it's been Seth trying to get Summer's attention. They have the episode at like the casino themed party where he like blows on the dice for her. Again, pathetic. Right. And she does not even remember his name. No, she really calls him like Stanley. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like the Deb ball is where things start to change. In the beginning, Summer doesn't have a date and she's complaining about it and talking about how she needs a white knight or something along Mm, those lines. And Seth walks up and he's like, Seth Cohen, white knight. Yeah. And she's not happy about it. No. (laughs) And then even at the party, she's like trying to pawn him off on everyone. Yes. And there is this moment where Seth is less pathetic and he's like, well, I just thought you'd be like, I don't know, kind of stoked. And that's like, oh, you just feel for him in that moment. Yeah, I, I, I agree. That was less, it was less pathetic. It was just like, oh, I thought at least, I don't know, you would be somewhat happy about this. Yeah. The thing I'll say, the thing that does not work that he does is the like constant adoration for somebody. I, I don't think that that's real. Even though there's something attractive about a kicked puppy that like sometimes we want to save, you don't respect that person. But the thing I will say, even as he is like finding his confidence, because it is in this episode that Anna tells him, be confident. Yeah. And that's when things start to change. But even in his like more pathetic moments, he's still himself. He's not trying to be a water polo dude for her. He's not trying to be one of the other noopsies. He's still Seth Cohen. And I think that ends up working out in his favor because she notices that he's not like anybody else. And his little like charms and quirks, as she says later on, start to draw her in. But I think the moment in the Deb, the Cotillion episode where he really starts to get her thinking is when he takes Anna instead of her. Because, unfortunately, playing hard to get works. Yeah, we, we wish it didn't, but it does. And then I think in the beginning, you're like, why does he like her? What does she have? And then you see the moment in the girlfriend episode where she's not just the shallow popular girl, but she's actually sensitive when he recites the poem to her and talks about how he used to watch her feed for lunch to the squirrel who would get his nuts taken away by the fatter squirrel. And it's really sweet. And I think there is something really endearing about having someone who sees you like that. Because I think I've had guys who come on really strong and compliment me and I don't like it. But I also feel like they're not seeing me. They're just seeing this version of me that they would like to. Exactly. And I think that could have been the way that this went. Right. right. And that is why I don't recommend this move either because if normally I think it's going to come off as creepy however if you really feel like you want to have like a I see you who you really are moment please still do not recite a poem to them or recite anything that you memorized about them no also how does he have that memorized (laughs) (laughs) right that's what everyone's gonna run like oh Seth that's it's a little creepy yeah yeah I'm also thinking of someone in your past so specifically that would like say things about you where he's like oh "Oh, you just do this oh right and so you're like oh you're obviously in love with me because because you see me in this specific way yes no it's it's incredibly endearing when someone nail when you nail it that person cannot get over you although I feel like I nail guys sometimes and they're it's scary for them (laughs) okay so it's in the it's after that moment he recites a poem and then she kisses him right yeah and then she kisses him Mm -hmm. and then she pretends like it never happened but then this is where he gets the confidence back 
because he's like, I think you like me. Let me remind you about that little time that you kissed me at my grandfather's party by the pool. That was a good delivery. That is how he said it. (laughs) Charming in the way that he says it. Yeah. This is a very endearing moment, Seth moment for me, because I do think confidence works. It is here that I think we see the confidence starting to wear on her. And it's in this kind of, for me, the Tijuana episode changes everything because this is where like the sexual tension, the bickering between the two of them starts to evolve. And you see that these two people have insane chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. That's what ultimately I think the sexual tension, the chemistry, the bicker banter of it all. Mm -hmm. Number one, probably not the healthiest. Right. But this is what we all, personally, this is what I crave. Oh, that kind of sexual banter. banter. Oh, 100%. And that's why there are certain people, I think, in both of our lives that we keep going back to because we're like, no one else is going to give me this kind of bigger banter. We need to coin bigger banter. Bigger banter. (laughs) Or maybe just for a voice warm up. (laughs) Bigger banter, bigger banter, bigger banter. However, the move that I think all of us can recommend across the board, no matter who you are, The second thing that Seth does that wins her over is he plays her hot and cold and he plays hard to get and he does this through Anna. And I think that's what kind of seals the deal. Yeah, I totally agree because then she starts to like the attention and the chemistry that they have when she sees that existing with him and someone else. Then it's wait, no, I, I want this again. I don't want to give this away yet. I'm curious. It does pique a curiosity. Right. That's a good way to put it. That's what it is. It's because she didn't know before that she wanted it. But it's kind of like, wait, what is that? Because she hadn't had it with anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I um, I often like to quote from the Bible. And by the Bible, I do mean my Bible, which is Cheryl Strayed's Tiny Beautiful Things. And I feel really guilty and torn um, about giving this advice because I feel like Cheryl would find a way to tell you you don't have to play games you just have to be true to yourself and she would weave you on this like magical journey that somehow ends with it being really clear of like just be yourself in relationships and things will fall into place but unfortunately I don't think that that's true and I feel like I'm going against Cheryl by saying when you have piqued somebody's interest the next step to reel them in is that you have to play them a little cold Yeah, unfortunately, the game, there has to be a tiny bit of a game. Always, yes. People are attracted to busy people. Yeah. When you're busy and you have a lot going on and it's like, I don't know if I have time for you. You're like, wait, make time for me. This is kind of like the Esther Perel of it all, Mm -hmm. where she talks about desire. And when someone doesn't need you, they become more desirable. Yes. Yes. So if you lay out all of your cards too early, even if you're not like, I need to be in a relationship with you. I think you have to be so careful, especially be- as a woman, I think, because guys will assume that <laughs> when you've talked uh-huh. about this, uh-huh. guys will assume if you're like, hey, let's continue to hang out that you want to marry them. Yes. So you have to keep your cards a little bit closer to your chest, no matter what they're giving you. So just to summarize all of these moves that Seth kind of uses to get summer, how do we feel like they work outside of high school and in the non-fictional world? I think there is something about someone growing on you that feels very relatable in the adult world. Although I also have this theory, again, not to like be so gendered, but I had this conversation with my very good guy friend one time where I was like, have you ever liked a woman that you weren't initially attracted to. And he said no. Huh. That's interesting. Because I think guys are just so much more visual 
and we are attracted to things so beyond the visual. Right. So I think this, if Summer was doing to Seth what he did to her, I don't think it would have worked. That's so interesting. If you're a guy out there listening to this podcast, and I know, I know some of you are, please, I really want to hear more about this. And I think guys' barrier for attraction is lower than ours. So I think there's like this instant, like as soon as you meet, they are clocking if they would sleep with you or not. Mm -hmm. Where I think that's a lot of times we're not. Right. Or that will change for us. There are people I've slept with that I never would have thought I would have slept with. (laughs) Someone in my past, there was a very specific moment where it switched. I think that was my like, I like Seth Cohen moment because I was like, I think I out loud said to myself, no, because I was like, <laughs> I cannot be attracted to you. But it, it that was literally like years into knowing this person. I guess my argument is that this all comes back to me. What we were arguing is that like what he's proving is that he actually does see her for who she truly is. And I feel like that's what people really want or need in that. Because anybody can tell you that you're beautiful. Anyone can tell you that they want to sleep with you. But I think being told that in combination with remembering facts about you and like completely nailing who you are, um, like the other day, a crush said to me, oh, yeah, didn't your dad coach your basketball team? And I was like, oh, oh, okay." And I think that in combination with like, you know, when you're stressed, you do this, you know, like the ways that people can like really, really see you for exactly who you are. I think that wears people down into when are we getting married (laughs) or at least being curious enough to pursue it. So all of this to say, these two people, a very unlikely pair, what do we think it is in their differences that make it work? Okay, so I do think, yes, the characters, but also the actors, and they did date in real life, Mm -hmm. which you could so tell. Yeah. They have (laughs) such amazing chemistry. That And that will happen among two different, very different people. Yes, I agree with that. So that's number one, why I think the physical spark, that's the chances of a deep, relationship evolving out of something purely physical like that Mm. or even just bantery I think are rare yeah where I'm like this is like a one in a hundred couple but the him seeing her that's where you're like okay Mm -hmm. I'm buying it a little bit more here's the thing like Seth is good looking Mm -hmm. like if he was so dweeby you know and that's what's a little I guess not believable is that this you're right that this would be like the nerdiest guy in school i think about the nerdiest guy in my high school there is absolutely no way that he could get with the hottest girl but whatever it's a tv show they had to cast hot people it was 2003 so even if we want to take it out of that context and even out of high school i almost think it's impossible for someone so let's say like opposite lifestyles like someone who wants to live like a glamorous clubbing on Saturdays in Manhattan lifestyle can really reasonably date somebody who wants to spend their Saturdays browsing green light books and like seeing an indie movie at BAM. That was a very New York reference. And if you're outside of New York, I'm really sorry. The thing that I think works about it is that we find out that Summer isn't actually that girl. That's not actually what she wants. And I think what works is that their chemistry in the things that are different about them brings out this side of her that she's probably been looking for for a long time. And that's the like Brene Brown of it all. He allows her to see where she truly belongs. And I agree. I do believe in crazy, unlikely chemistry. And I think crazy, unlikely chemistry can make people change their behavior in a major way. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think there is something nice about going for someone who has 
some different interests in you because then yeah. you learn from them. Like I do tend to go for people that are, are like me. Yeah. In a lot same. of because I like to have things in common. But then I also would ideally like, and there is something attractive about they're really like smart guys who are gonna teach me something about something I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's very attractive to yeah. me. That's why I feel like my destiny is to end up with a political organizer because <laughs> I feel like well-informed about politics, but not in the like deep nerdy way. I think that would be the fun part about dating someone who is like that is that I would be interested in learning about that more. Right. In the same way that he might be a film buff. Right. But is not an actor. Yes. All yes. right. So if there are any socialist <laughs> film buffs out there. <laughs> so we've touched on this a little bit. But do we feel like in the non-fictional world, these two people would have gotten together? And if so, what is what is the non-fictional version of the pioneer gets the hot girl? I do in a sense. Number one, I'm a hopeless romantic, so I'm just here for it. But also, I feel like all of the time you see hot women with not very attractive dudes. Like, look at Nick Kroll. I genuinely am attracted to him in a weird way and I think he's so unattractive but he's like like nice and charming and very funny and he's dating a very hot woman right now because this woman we are I think more attracted to personality at the end of the day the looks will wear off and also because I feel like all the guys I've ended up pining after have not been traditionally hot yeah I agree 100%, especially I think this solves this thing we see all the time of like gorgeous women with not very attractive guys. And I think, and it's especially comedians because we see all the time comedians get girls who are used to dating douchey, not funny guys because they've been attractive their whole lives. So they've never had to be funny and they meet this dude that they normally would never go for. Then they get to know him better. He, he peaks their interest and she's like oh my god he's so different from anyone else i've met false bitch no he's not he is not unique he is exactly the same as every other self-defacing white guy who got introduced to improv because everyone at the office was like you should take improv class and now he spends his saturdays drinking four dollar beer and talking about who's gonna make Harold team <laughs> these are the true heartbreakers yes because the, the hot guy, there was a moment where I was like, I would like you to be a consistent casual thing. And he was too much of a dog and just like literally like 280. Could not could not have cared less. I was like, oh, OK, that makes sense. Well, and he didn't pretend like he could be. Exactly. And that's the problem with these with these comedians as poets. And also just one point to the comedian as a comedian, um, the number of times the guys will get girls numbers or go home with or hook up or whatever girls after shows it's crazy it's I can't even imagine because when I was really running in that comedy circle was when I was in a relationship but I would kind of watch it happen with all of these other not attractive dudes and I would be I just want to like turn to these women in the audience in a basement in Brooklyn next to me and like run please get out of here save yourself more on the Seth Cohen's of the world next episode so we're going to go into our final segment of the episode, which we haven't done in a long time, but this feels like an appropriate couple to do it for. And this segment is All Aboard! Choo-choo! We'll each describe the moment that we got on board the ship. Oh, I guess it's a ship. So, uh, uh. <laughs> Iceberg! 
Berg. <laughs> so this is the moment that you were like, okay, I get it. I ship it. I'm on board with them. Okay, this watch, it did take me a little bit longer to really root for them together because mm-hmm. I would go back and forth. The episode that really sealed the deal for me this time around was the Valentine's Day episode when he gives his whole speech to Summer. At, and this is, and at first you're like, you're going after Summer literally the day after you and Anna break up. But then he comes back with this speech where he's like, the whole reason that we broke up is because for me, it's always been you. It's not like, like now that me and Anna broke up, I'm now choosing you, okay? Because the whole reason that we broke up is because for me, it's always been you, Summer. It's always been you. I've tried to fight it, and I've tried to deny it, and I can't. I can't do it. You're undeniable. That, that's yeah. a beautiful speech. It's a beautiful speech. I'm going to be honest, it's the stuff like I masturbate to. A thousand percent. <laughs> These are all of my sexual fantasies. And then they have bad sex for the first time, which I love. Props to the creators I, yeah. that they had bad sex. That was really that was so honest if you are a high schooler listening to this that is correct that is what it will be like your first time yeah it's not good they and then after they have the bad sex he's like let's slow things down and they slow dance to wonderwall she's gripping her microphone she can't take it and he says i'm sweeping you off your feet and then they start to slow dance yep and she says the funny thing is you are and I was like, yeah, bitch, same. Uh. same. And then obviously the coffee cart declaration of love. I know you are a, a big grand gesture gal. Uh-huh. And I, not that I've had many. Oh, same. Or any that I can really recall. But I would like one, at least one, before I die. The moment for me, in the moment where I'm like, oh, she's not dumb. She's not a bitch. He's not pining after the wrong girl. It's also in the Tijuana episode. And it's that moment where they're having breakfast together in the morning at the booth. Yeah. And they're both drinking the coffee. And then they like wordlessly exchange the paper. And he like passes the toast and she eats the crust. And obviously this is like a very cinematic, you know, tool that they're using. But what I think it's meant to highlight is just like the ease that they have together and how natural the chemistry is, even when they like don't want it to be there when they're fighting it. Also, I'm just a sucker for the idea of having a morning routine with my partner. And I just really do feel like my partner will be someone who reads the paper. Um, I've never had that happen. I just feel like it's my destiny. <laughs> it's going to be a political. Yes. <laughs> one of my political organizer. Organizer. <laughs> who is a film buff and reads the paper in the morning. So again, that doesn't feel like an incredibly tall order. It really, especially we're in Brooklyn. Yeah. We're in Greenpoint, yeah. for God's that's sake. My, that's my thing. It's like people talk about like you can't wait for the right person to come into your life. I've literally situated myself in the epicenter of my type. So don't tell me I'm not fighting for my future. <laughs> Oh, all right, everyone. That is all we have for you this week. Next week, we will be really diving into what I'm going to for now call the Seth Cohen problem. And you can <laughs> hate me for that for now. It's but it's, true, though. it's I just as we've you know hinted at this episode, Seth Cohen's walk among us and they are more dangerous than they seem. Look and out. Think, <laughs> it's a Seth Cohen. <laughs> You're walking by a UCB dog. <laughs> Next episode, we're talking all about nice guys. 
good guys. The sensitive fuck boy. So tune in for that. And in the meantime, you can find us on social media. We're at Talking Ship Podcast on Instagram. Kat, do you want to share your handle? Yeah, I'm at Kat Belenfante. And I'm at OnlyMegan815. So follow us. Um, share with us your thoughts about your initial takes on Seth and Summer and the idea of the nerd and the hot girl. And if you yourself have ever had been in an unlikely pairing relationship and how it went for you, we will see you next week. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Talking Ship. We're here every Thursday. You can find us on Instagram at Talking Ship Podcast. Thank you to Kat Bellinfonte for being my co-host this season. You can find her on Instagram and Twitter. She's great on both. At Kat Bellinfonte, that's Kat with a K. You can find me at OnlyMegan815. That is Megan spelled the correct way with no H. Talking Ship is produced by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one network for professionals. So thank you to the whole team there for helping to make this show happen. Thank you to Chris Meisner for arranging our theme music. And if you're still listening, you must, you know, trust me a bit. So here's what I would like you to do. Please, please, please register to vote. Vote and vote early. Let's do this. VoteSaveAmerica.com has everything you need. So go do that and then come back next week and we'll talk ship about more fictional relationships. See you then. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube